I want to thank David Solomon for inviting me to speak tonight, and I appreciate all of you coming, and may we all be inspired. We all know there's a concept of feeling the pain and the anguish for another person, and also to carry the burden. But where do we know it from? Where's the source for this? We learned it out from last week's Parsha. We all know that when Moshe Rabbeinu was shepherding the sheep of his father-in-law, Yisro, HaKadosh Baruch Hu called out, Moshe, Moshe. Where was he calling from? The snap, a burning bush. It was a thorn bush. And Chazal addressed why specifically did HaKadosh Baruch Hu come in a thorn bush? And we all know, Imo Anoichi Betzara. I want to tell you, Moshe, that my children are enslaved. They're in Mitzrayim. They're suffering. And even though they have to endure and experience the slavery, I feel their pain. And that's why I'm appearing to you in this thorn bush. And this is how we know that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels the pain of others, how much more so we need to feel the pain of others. Why? We're supposed to follow in the ways of the Rebbeinu Shalaylam. His midas, we need to follow it. Ba'hu rachum, afato rachum. Hashem is merciful, we need to be merciful. We all know HaKadosh Baruch Hu visited Avram Avinu when he was sick, after the bris milah. We also need to be mevakech Here's another example. HaKadosh Baruch Hu shared in the Tsar. We also need to share in the Tsar of others. But here's the question really. Where do we see in the Torah a, a personality? Someone who demonstrated Imo Anoichi Betzara and where is the reward? Let's go back a few weeks ago to Yosef HaTzadik. We all know who he became the Viceroy. He married Osnas. He had two children, Ephraim and Menashe. The Torah tells us specifically when Yosef had these children. And the Pasuk says, Uli Yosef Yulad Shnei And to Yosef he gave birth two sons. When? Biterem, before Tovo Shnas Harav before the years of the famine. Now we know that many people were born throughout the Torah. The Torah doesn't go out of its way to tell us specifically when they were born. They were born! Why over here does the Torah go out of its way to say, I want you to know when these children were born. They were born before the famine. What difference does it make? It's a nice thing. There's a beautiful Balaturim. I encourage everyone to look at this Balaturim. The Balaturim says there are two times in the Torah, it's a classic, where it says the words, Uli Yosef. One is right here, in Parshas Miketz, where he gives birth to Ephraim and Menashe. And the other is in Bezaysa Bracha. When Yosef receives the Bracha from Moshe Rabbeinu, the Pasuk starts off, Uli Yosef. 
The Balatura makes a beautiful connection. What's the connection between Uli Yosef by the children and Uli Yosef by the bracha? He says like this. That Yosef abstained from marital relationships during the years of famine. That's why he had the children specifically now. Right before the famine. During the years of plenty. During the good years. Why? Why did Yosef make sure? Because he didn't want to have pleasure when the Mitzrayim, the Egyptians, were suffering. I, they're not his brothers. They're not his family. They're not his nation. It didn't make a difference to him. If there are people who are suffering, how can I experience pleasure? Therefore, I'm going to have children before the famine. And that's why the Pusik specifically tells us when he had the children. Now the Balaturim tells us what was his reward. In Bezai Sabracha, he got the most beautiful, the most luxurious and bountiful land in Eretz Yisrael. Better than any other Shevet. Why? Why? Why was Yosef Zaycha more than any other Shevet to such luxurious land? Because he shared Imo Anoichi Betzara. And that's why it says, Uli Yosef by the children, and Uli Yosef by the bracha. That's the connection. But we're going to take it a step further. Listen to Rav Matasyah Solomon. You should live and be well. The Mashgiach of Lakewood Yeshiva. He says, in Yosef's bracha, it says the words, Eretz Umulaya, a land that is filled with the Rebbeinah Shalaylam, Uritzayin and goodwill, Shoichnei Sneh, the one who lives in the bush. Who is that referring to? Hashem. Rabbi Salman says, and he's not the Balaturim. You know how many times in the Torah it refers to the Rebbeinah Shalaylam as Shoichnei Sneh? Twice. One is in Shemais, when he appeared to Moshe Rabbeinu in the Sneh. And the second time, and the only other time, is here in Yosef's Bracha. That's amazing. Why? Now it's obvious. With this Balaturim, I understand. Because Hashem appeared to Moshe in the Sneh to show him, Imo Anoich B'Tzara, Yosef, you did the same thing. You didn't have children during the years of famine because Imo Anoichi B'Tzara, therefore I relate to you. I am called Shaykh Neisneh when it comes to your bracha. And that's why you received the most beautiful, bountiful, luxurious land. And this is how we see that when a person shares the pain and the anguish and the hardships of another person, they get rewarded. Yosef was the one who exemplified that. <coughs> I want to share with you a story now. In the Panovichi Yeshiva, there was a boy, a Bachar, who was missing. It's scary when someone is missing in Eretz Israel. Who knows what happened? Was he abducted by Arabs? Did he get lost? Did he fall somewhere? It's, it's very, very 
precarious. The whole yeshiva was in a tumult. Where's the bacher? I heard this from a bacher who was there in Panovich when this happened. He says we could not learn for three days. Why? We're all tumulting. What's happening? Where is he? Why? What can we do? Should we search? On the third day, Rav Shach, Zechat Tzadik Levracha, walks into the base of Medrash. He looks very tired, very fatigued, and very weak. And the Bacha walks over to the Rosh Hashim and says, Rabbi, what's the matter? Why do you look so tired? He says, I can't learn. He says, why not? He says, I've been fasting for three days for this Bacher, because we don't know where he is. So the boys in the yeshiva couldn't learn because they're busy figuring out where he is. But the God of Hadar, the Rosh Hashiva, he has a tainus for three days. That's Imo Anoichi B'Tzara. That's how we share in someone else's pain. But I know what you're going to tell me. I'm not Roshach. I'm not the God of Hadar. So what should I do? I'll share with you what we can do. Last week, many of you may have known of Kalman Krohn. He was Nifter. He was learning in Bismedrish Gavaya. I didn't know him. But since he was Nifter, I heard magnificent stories of a posh and a simple man. And let me share with you this story. He had a daughter. She got married. And for two and a half years, she did not have children. But it wasn't just that she didn't have children. She experienced a tremendous amount of pain in having and trying to have children. Could you imagine a father looking at his daughter, seeing her like this? He said to her, I am a kabel, a thousand tanesim, so that you should have a child. And I'm not spreading it over 18 years. I'm going to do them now, right now. I am starting right now. And he did. He got to 300. 300 Tanesim. He came back to his daughter. He says, I can't do it. I'm just too weak. I can't think. I can't learn. My whole life has changed. I have to stop. She ended up having a child. She had a child. She had a grandchild on the day that Kalman Krohn was Nifter. A grandson on that day. So here we see again. Yes, he's a father and every father feels the pain of their child. But what do we do about it? We just say we're in pain? There's a little bit of pain? Or we do something lemaisa? Do something Lemaisa. I'm going to share with you a personal Maisa. There's someone in my family who's very sick and they should have a Rafua Shalem as well. And I was thinking, I heard this story. I can't fast even a whole day. One day. So I said, I'll be Makabel half a day. Chatzais. This week. You know, Chatzais this week is 11.59, it's no big deal. And I called my Rebbe, and my Rebbe said, don't do it. Don't do it. You're a Rebbe, you have to be strong. You have to teach. You have no right to diminish your strength 
by taking on a tainus. You have a chiv to your Talmidim. But he told me that Rav Rudiman, his Rebbe, his Rosh Hashiva said, I don't hold of taking on Tanesim. So what do you do? In order to fulfill Imo Wanaychi Bitsara, someone's suffering, someone's sick, someone can't have a child. He says, he quotes a Morgan Avram that says, instead of eating 100% of your breakfast, eat 75% of it. So you eat a bowl of Fruit Loops, leave over fruit, a few of those Fruit Loops. You have a tuna fish sandwich for lunch, leave over 25% of it. And at night you have a piece of chicken, leave over 25% of that chicken. I want to tell you something, I did it the next day. It was harder than fasting till chatzos. Because you always want that last bite. I want the last bite. I can't just leave it there. That's the mug and Avram. You don't do things the way you want to do it. You've got to do it a pink das Torah. And that's how we share an emo anarchy b'tzara. The next question is, how do we get to this level of feeling the pain of someone else? It's not easy. You hear a story, you hear a tragedy. Okay, nice, next. I saw in a beautiful sefer, it's called Yismach Yisrael. One of the ways, the attribute that is required is humility. I have to be humble. I can't be full of myself. I can't be arrogant. If it's all about me, then I can't think of someone else. And if I can't think of someone else, how can I feel their pain? That's the first thing we need to work on, is being humble. Listen to this story. There was a big philanthropist in Cleveland, Mendy Klein. Last year, Lagba Aymer, he suddenly died, heart attack. Tragedy. He was a man who gave over a tremendous amount of tzedakah in the United States and Eretz Yisrael across the world. Much of his tzedakah most of us didn't even know about. But listen to this. There was a man in Cleveland who Mendy Klein knew of, was a very wealthy person also. But he lost much of it right before Purim. On the street, no one knew. We all know when it comes to Purim, the minhag is, we line up at the Gevirim's house for the checks, for the cash. And everybody lined up at his house every Purim. And no one knew any different this year. He was going to be embarrassed. Because he's going to have a line of people and he's going to have to reject them and he's going to have to send them away. Mendy Klein says, no, that's not going to happen. I can't let a friend of mine be embarrassed. He went over to his house on Erev Purim and he gave him a wad of cash. And he says, give this out on Purim. You have no choice. You're not going to be embarrassed. You're not going to send anyone away. Could you imagine? That he had the foresight that someone may suffer embarrassment on Purim? That's Imo Noichi Betzara. But I, I say it's more than that. That he was a humble man. He was not in the limelight. He didn't want to be in the limelight. He abhorred being on the front and center stage. And that's how he was able to achieve 
thinking that someone else is going to be embarrassed in front of many people on Purim, that he'll take his own cash, let him disperse it. That's incredible. We all know that Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who really personifies what it means to be Imo Anoichi Bitsara. The Pasik says, Vayigda Moshe. Moshe grew up. Vayetzeel Echov, and he went outside to his brothers. Vayar Bissiv What does this mean? It means Moshe Rabbeinu was growing up in the palace of Paro. He was an aristocrat. He was a prince. He had all the luxuries. He didn't need anything. For 20 years, this is the way Moshe Rabbeinu lived. And then he decided, I don't know what the reason is, I'm going out there. I'm going out to see what's happening to my brothers, to my sisters. He sees the atrocities. He gets down and he helps them. He helps them with their load. He feels their plight. But it wasn't enough. He didn't stop there. He didn't just stop and say, I have to help them and I'll go home to my palace and I'll sit on my luxurious bed and couch and get delicious food. Rashi says, No son, He placed his eyes and his heart to see their suffering and to give with them. What happened here? What did Moshe Rabbeinu do? Rav Aaron Cutler says Moshe Rabbeinu did two things. One, he shared the burden with them by helping them in the fields. But he also felt their pain. It's not enough to help someone. You also have to share the pain. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he went home that night to the palace, he cried. He cried because of what, what was transpiring with his brothers, with his nation, in the fields. That's what we need to do. It's not enough to write a check to someone who is in need of money. It's not enough to lend a hand. We also have to feel their pain. People will make challah. People will make meals on Shabbos. It's beautiful. It's nice. It's a chesed. They're in pain, maybe. Some sharing the burden. But do we feel the pain? We need to feel the pain as well. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching us. If we don't feel the pain, we could be in the same state as what happened during the Holocaust. I'm going to share with you a very, very hurtful story. It's painful. But there's a tremendous lesson that we can derive from it. It takes place in the Plushov camp. It was a labor camp. The Nazis took Jews and they made them Gestapos. Jewish policemen. To go and persecute their own brothers, tattletale on their own brothers, kill their own brothers. But what was worse about it was that another Yid could do such a thing. That another Yid could offer his services and say, yeah, I'll be at Gestapo. Who, who, who would do that? 
What type of person would say, yeah, I'll kill another person. Uh, yeah, I'll tattletale on another person. Yeah, yeah, I'll persecute another person. My brother! It's awful. Listen to this story. Two Gestapos were working together on a mission. And one night, one of these two was crying. Now crying was not an emotion that was expressed by Gestapos. They were heartless people. They were ruthless and numb. You don't cry. He turns to him, he says, why are you crying? He says, you shot your mother. What could make you cry? He says, I saw the worst thing today. He says, what did you see already? What could you have seen worse than you have done all these months and years in this camp? He says, today I was taking out another Yid and I was taking him to the gas chambers. I was taking him to the slaughterhouse. And on the way, he says to me, listen, I deserve this. We all deserve this. I said, what? Why? Why do you think we deserve this? He says, because if people like you could go and put another brother, another Yid, in the gas chambers, there's something wrong with the nation. If we could stoop so low and not feel the pain of someone else, then Hashem is angry. Hashem is releasing His wrath. And that's why we deserve this. The Gestapo said, this is why I'm crying. I never realized that. I never thought about that. The man's right. Look, at, look how low we have come. It's a terrible story. It happened. It should never happen again. But we have to ask ourselves, are we feeling the pain of others? That's what we need to ask ourselves. We can't be numb. We can't just let it go. I'm sure there are people who we know and they need our help. They need our concern. They need our empathy. We need to show it. Another story about Kalman Crone. He called up the Israeli government. He says, I want a list of every soldier that died since 1967. And they gave it to him. They gave him every single soldier's name. Why did he want it? On their yard site, he paid someone to say Kaddish and recite Mishnayis. Because who else is? Who's saying Kaddish? Who's saying Mishnayis? He made sure someone did. And he did this from 1967 till the day he died. That's Imam Noichi Who's thinking like that? Who has a heart like that? This was a simple man who lived in Lakewood. He wasn't Rav Shach. He wasn't the God of Ladar. There's a Gemara in Megillah that says, Rabzeir says, why was I Zaycha to longevity? There were certain Amorayim that lived a very long time. Now everybody would like to know, what's the secret to that? I want to know. What will it take to live a long life? 
He said, you know what I did? I was never happy with the downfall of my friends. Okay, and who would be? This is what an Amur is saying. You have longevity because you're not happy when your friend slides. Who would be? What's so great about that? What does it mean? Of course. The explanation is, Rab was saying, when I had a simcha in my house, when I made a chasana, the chasana was not 100% the chasana of simcha. Why? Because I know that someone else is suffering out there. I know that someone else may not have a job. I know someone else may not have a shidduch. I know someone else may not have a child. How can my simcha be complete? That's what he meant. When I don't, or I'm not happy with the downfall of my friend, meaning when I celebrate, I think about my friend. My simcha is not complete. We could do the same thing. I'm sure every one of us knows of someone who may be sick, unfortunately, chas v'shalom, who someone is suffering in some way. And when we make a simcha, we should think. Just like by a chasana, we break the glass because it can't be complete because we don't have a base hamikdash. There's no such thing as 100% simcha by a chasana. So maybe it has to be a little bit less. And think for one moment about the person who suffers. That's imo anoichi b'tzara. Where do we see that? Where do we see this? Now we all know the story of Entebbe. Story of Entebbe. Plane was hijacked from Eretz Yisrael to New York. Who was on that plane? We all know. Rav Hutner. And many others. And Baruch Hashem, they were released. And everybody knew that this plane was coming back with most of the people that were taken into custody. And the great Rosh Hashiva of Chaim Berlin, Rav Hutner. There was a huge celebration upon his arrival. They went to Kennedy Airport. They had a band. There were thousands of people from New York to come and welcome the great Rosh Hashiva, Rav Hutner, that the great Askanim, the great Rosh Hashivas, and even Rav Moshe Feinstein came to greet Rav Hutner. Rav Moshe Feinstein walks into the airport. He sees the band. He hears the music. He walks over to the band and he says, Stop. You know why Ramesh said stop? He told the band, How could you play music? Not everybody's back. There are some families that have dear ones that are still in hostage. And they don't know whether they're going to come home alive or dead. They're suffering, they're in pain. What right do we have to sing and dance with a band? And that's why Ramesha Feinstein made them stop. That's Imo Sarah. That's why Ramesha Feinstein was the great one. He was the God Hadar. Because he knew what it meant to feel the pain and the thought. How could we dance when others are still not free?
end off with the last vart. It's interesting that when in Parsha Shemais, it names all the Shvatim, but only by Levi. Shevet Levi, it uses the word Shemais. These are the names of the children of Levi. Who are they? Gershom, Kahas, Umarari. So Chazal asks, why do you have to say Shemais? How come only by Levi you say that and not by any other Shevet? Because there's something unique about their names. <clears throat> now Levi, we know, was not part of the Shebut Mitzrayim. They were free. Everybody else was a slave. Now look at the names of Levi. Gershom, Kahas, and Merari. You know what those words mean? Gershom means I'm a stranger. I'm in Mitzrayim. We're strangers. I don't belong here. I'm not comfortable here. I'm uncomfortable here. That's one child. Kahas, you know what kahas means? Knockout. Punch out. They're punching us out. They're knocking us out. They're, they're enslaving us. Murari, moror. It's bitter here. Why did Levi name his sons these names? Because he was showing Klai Yisrael, even though we're free, and even though we have the ability to learn in the base of Medrash all day, but my brothers are suffering. I have sons who I constantly see who have the names of the pain that you're experiencing. That's how we demonstrate Imo Naichibitsara. And I'll end with two stories that show us this. Two short ones about two great people. But we could do the same thing. One is Rav Aaron Leib Shteyman. Rav Aaron Leib, after he finished his meal on Friday nights, his grandchildren would come over and they would sing Zemiris. Rav Aaron Leib, by the way, had a beautiful voice. He used to daven for the Yomid on the Yom Narayim when he was younger. He would enjoy when his grandchildren came and they would sing Zemiris Friday night. One Friday night, he abruptly told his grandchildren, no more. Please do not come anymore on Friday nights to sing. His grandchild went over to him and says, Zaidi, what's wrong? She says, our upstairs neighbor just became a widow. Her husband died. When she hears us singing downstairs, it causes her pain. Because no one is there to sing for her anymore. Her husband sang every Friday night. When she hears the beautiful nagunim and the beautiful voices, how do you think she feels? Therefore, can't come anymore Friday night. Could you imagine? That sensitivity for an almana, for a widow. In the end, the grandchildren says, Zaidi, if her grandchildren come and sing, can we come back? And he said, yes. If you know 100% that the grandchildren are there Friday night, then you could come back. And that's what happened. How simple. You don't have to be the God of Ladar. He was. It's just thinking. It's about humility, like we said. And the last story is of Shach, again. Simple. One morning, 
a Bacha walked into Rav Shach's office at 8 o'clock. And he saw that on the table in front of Rav Shach was breakfast. It wasn't elaborate, it was a simple breakfast that Rav Shach ate every morning. Now usually when you speak to Rav Shach, he eats. Not to waste time. Rav Shach wasn't eating. So the Bacha said, Rabbi, Rosh Hashiva, eat, don't worry about me. He says, I don't eat between 8 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. He says, why? He says, because there are hundreds of boys who don't go to yeshiva and they don't wear tzitzis. And these boys all go to their schools between 8 and 8.30. It pains me that there are Yiddish children not wearing tzitzis. Therefore, I don't eat breakfast during the time that these boys are on their way to yeshiva, which is between 8 and 8.30. Tonight, we've learned a lot about what it means to feel the pain of others and the reward of when we share that pain, we share that burden, we share that concern. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will pay us back. He paid Yosef back. There are stories where we heard people are paid back. How is it achieved? By taking responsibility for other people. Crying for other people. That's authentic. It's real. And last but not least, the greatest way to get to that level, to achieve the level of feeling the pain and being nice is by being humble. Demonstrating humility. When it's not all about me and I could think of others, then I could share in their pain. May we be Zaycha that Klai Yisrael no longer feels pain with the coming of Mashiach, said Cain of Imherbi on me.